You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. What a great episode we just recorded here. It's a little bit of a shorter one, but it comes punching hard. I've got Michael Ligaber. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Land Search, and they help you do exactly what it sounds like, find land to purchase. You know, when you think about it, though, land may not be the most exciting thing. Just vacant land, trees and fields and, you know, what can you do with it? But that's actually part of, I think, what makes it interesting. The, the challenge, the creativity, uh, some of the true science that actually has to go into selecting the right land. And in this conversation, Michael breaks down some of the trends that are happening in land, the need for a new marketplace and to start delivering a better and improved experience in finding land. And I appreciate his passion and interest in actually making land more accessible to more buyers. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So let's jump to it. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I, I'm happy that you could take aside some of the time and uh, come on. And we're going to talk about a topic that I don't think we've gotten into uh, yet on TechNest. So that's always exciting when we get to go into a little bit of a new area. Uh, but as always, uh, let's start it off proper. Please let everyone know who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Michael Ligaber, and I'm the founder of LandSearch. Uh, we're a land marketplace with millions of acres of residential, commercial, agricultural, and recreational land. Okay, so uh, so there's a whole bunch of land out there, and lots of places that I, I guess I could go and look for uh, land for sale. And every once in a while out here in South Dakota, I see these giant signs way out in the field with a phone number I can't read. You know, so, but uh, from in your words, what is the problem that you're aiming to solve for? Yeah, I mean, I'd say ultimately we want to make land more accessible. Um, so, you know, the first part of that is, you know, helping buyers find the right land. Um, but, you know, ultimately we want to kind of evolve that into, you know, the whole land ownership process, you know, making it more approachable. So, you know, financing, for instance, you know, obviously critical uh, and it's very different than getting a mortgage. A lot of people don't understand that up front. So, you know, lenders may require anywhere between 20 and 50 percent down. Interest rates are higher. You know, if you're building, farming, it's rural property, just, you know, a lot of different factors there. And then, you know, the, the service side of things, obviously, there's a whole set of services that are really specific to land that you don't necessarily go to like a home advisor for. So, you know, long term vision, we want to kind of bring all that together. But marketplace, the land marketplace is, is step one. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine there's quite a few unique scenarios in there. So like you, you kind of mentioned with your buying in order to, say, build a single house versus buying to maybe uh, take over or start a cattle ranch. Some of the, you know, the different use cases there and, and what you might be required to, to bring to the table. Let me ask you this, like, why, why are you solving for this problem? 
of all the things you, you could go after. I, I imagine there's, there's got to be a, a unique story here or something that leads you to thinking that you need to solve the land buying problem. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, high level, I, I love the outdoors. You know, part of it just felt right. But uh, I was a partner at a digital marketing agency, and one of our largest clients was uh, one of the biggest land brokerages in the country. So I really just got to kind of get a, a firsthand look at, you know, uh, just the the opportunities in the industry. Um and, um, you know, right at that point, you know, the marketplaces just weren't built for the end user. Uh, what existed was really just built around trying to get brokers to compete for more, you know, advertising dollars on the platform. Uh, nobody had a map first experience. And even now, our biggest competitor doesn't even have the option to browse on a map. Um, so, you know, we just felt like the space land was just so far behind, you know, uh, residential, commercial, just, you know, it just needed a, a facelift and we thought we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the alternatives here is just what using a few commercial apps and, and, and just all the residential is that, is that, is that really all that people have access to right now? Cause you know, admittedly i haven't shopped for a whole bunch of land every sure. once in a while i look and i'm like i'm dreaming like oh maybe i'll be a builder and then i realize i'm like i literally have no time to be able to to learn how to do that and not lose all my money so so then like wh- where what are the alternatives right now to, to land search yeah so i mean if you go to like google and you type in land for sale or land for sale in your area uh generally you're going to run across uh co-stars properties um, so, uh, co-stars, um, you know, until we kind of entered the market generally had a monopoly in the land space. And then there was the, the Zillow sites and, uh, that's kind of who you run across. So it's really us and them at this point, but a uh, co-star def- definitely still has the most market share, but we're, we're, you know, following up behind them pretty closely. Yeah. So, so let's kind of take it back a little bit. I want to talk about, to, you know, when you actually first launched So you've been working on this since 2016. Uh, but you launched actually in what May? Was it May twenty twenty? Uh, maybe March of twenty twenty. Yeah, March right. Okay, and, and but when you launched, you came on with a whole bunch of listings. Talk me through where these listings are coming from. How you're getting inventory? I'm I'm sure land is probably reflecting some of the same problems that everyone's seeing in every other vertical. Uh, listings are far and few between. But where are they coming from and, and, you know, how are you winning them? Yeah, so, you know, right now we have about 275,000 listings, which is way down from when we launched. When we launched, we had well over 400,000 listings. So the inventory, our inventory has dropped over 30%. Uh, of what we do have on market, about 14% of that is pending. Um, so, wow. you know, as far as how we kind of piece those together, it's from all over. So um, for every category of land, it's, it's a little different. Um, so, you know, the commercial land, agricultural land, recreational land in particular, uh, a whole lot of that is off MLS. The residential side of things, especially city lot stuff like that, you usually find that mm-hmm. on MLS. Um, so yep. we have to kind of get it from all over. So um, a lot of that's just relationships with brokers, trying to get them to set up XML feeds. Um, and, you know, it is free to post with us, which is, you know, an advantage that we have over our competitors. But uh, it's still kind of hard to sell that sometimes to, you know, these small brokerages that just running on a WordPress site. You know, we obviously want that to be mm-hmm. kind of an automated process. So uh, definitely the majority of our, our inventory does come from MLS. But uh, there's a lot of off MLS property we're aggressively trying to, trying to get at. Yeah, and then you mentioned like different uh, levels of inventory. I'm curious if you're seeing like, is there any one particular 
slice of land that is really struggling to you know to find any availability? Um, you know, right now uh, there's a, there's a few hot areas of the country that are just really popular. Um, Texas, Arizona, Florida, super popular markets. A lot of kind of influx from California, New York, Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, one thing that's really doing well for us right now is um, some of the more like I'd call them alternative lifestyle properties. So uh, things like uh, homesteads, hobby farms, barn dominiums, you know, cabins, RV lots. Uh, that's uh, really popular right now. I love the barn dominiums. I'm not going to lie. There's one uh, out by Buffalo Chip, which is where they do the, the big annual co- uh, uh, concert for the Sturgis Rally every year. And it's this big black, all it's all black on black barn dominium way out in the field. And, and nice. I think it's so cool. It's, it's way too far away from everything, but it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And I love, love the style here. Um, let's kind of move on here a lot. I want to talk a little bit about like, you know, you, you mentioned some of the small brokers maybe kind of stuck in their ways of how they've been doing things. And this is not a new theme. We hear about this in real estate and tech and prop tech all the time of, you know, either brokerages or, or even just like, you know, people have been in the industry for some time doing things the way they're doing. But what about the people who say, hey, I, I like I like what you're doing here. I want to work with it. Like, what are some of the reasons people are choosing to use Land Search? Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're a marketplace, right? So it's about creating awareness. And, you know, right now, uh, March will be our first month hitting a million uh, unique visitors. So, oh, you know, congrats. yeah, thank you. It's, it's a good milestone for us. So, uh, you know, for us, if we can create visibility, if we can generate leads, uh, you know, that's what agents uh, are looking for. You know, that being said, it is a hot market right now. So that uh, mm-hmm. both works for us in a way, but it also works against us. So much inventory is just not even uh, getting listed. So a listing marketplace doesn't really have a lot of benefit then. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And then for for the agents who are listening on the platform, like, do they collect all the leads on their own, or are other agents kind of, you know, you know how this goes, right? Like, yeah. there's a low thing. Do I get to bid to take the leads that are on, you know, coming through your listing? How does that all work? Yeah, no, we we do not sell leads. That is just some that's somewhere we just do not want to go. Um, so yeah, you, the leads go directly to you. Um, and uh, you know, one thing that we have obviously heard from brokers that's super important right now in this hot market is getting listings is the most important thing. So um, you know, when you promote your properties or your account on Land Search, we're pr- promoting both your listings and your account. Um, so we're trying to connect you with sellers, which uh, that's that's hard to come by right now. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, I I work in marketing, and so I, I did a little bit of internet sleuthing, uh, digging oh. into your, your SEO game, oh. and it has been strong. I, I noticed that the SEO pre- presence for Land Search has just been on a continual tear uh, for over the last year. Without giving away the secret sauce here, what do you attribute that growth to? Uh, yeah, I mean, my de- my background is in digital marketing, so SEO, SEM is kind of you know what I've done for a long time. So that that certainly helps having that internal. Um, but you know, with a marketplace, 
you know, naturally, if you have enough inventory, you have a lot of content to work from. It may not be unique content. Uh, we're certainly mm -hmm. working to create more unique content, which is a part of it. But, um, you know, technical SEO matters in marketplaces, right? So things like uh, performance, user experience, obviously kind of how you structure the content and try to make it as structured and digestible as possible. All of that really contributes towards that, that little competitive edge that you need, you know, in, in, in search engine results. So obviously there's an advantage for, for you, right? Because you're now bringing traffic to your site. Maybe that's a lot of brokers, but this is a direct benefit to the brokers who work with LandSearch in that as your SEO builds and grows, it actually then increases the relevancy of every one of those listings on the site, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it feeds itself. And, and you know, sometimes it's that's hard to sell to brokers. They feel like you're competing with them organically, which you are in a way. But, you know, whereas brokers and their websites can generally do well for local search within their area, you know, we obviously perform well for somebody moving cross country to an area where it's not a local search. So um, and we target a lot of different things from a tag type perspective, uh, different filters and things just technically, you know, mm -hmm. small brokerages can't pull off that from a you know web presence perspective. Yeah, there's also big websites out there that can't pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we've, we've still got work. It's been do. around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll go without saying names. I think we're on the same page here. So, okay. <laughs> so, a uh, big question here is though, how does LandSearch make money? Walk me through what that looks like today, and then if there's a future vision, love to hear that as well. Yeah, I mean, right now it's exclusively advertising. Uh, whether you know, as I mentioned before, whether that's agents promoting their listings or promoting themselves. Uh, you know, most of our revenue uh, actually comes from programmatic ads right now. Um, so, you know, we really felt like for these first couple of years, uh, we don't want to go out and hard sell uh, brokers on promoting on a, a marketplace that doesn't have enough traffic to justify it. So uh, we're getting to the point where right now there's a lot of value in getting on board. So we're being more uh, selling a little bit more, uh, you know, strongly than we have been in the past. So in the future, you know, the finance side, the service side of things are going to open up different revenue channels for us, um, and we're working really hard on the data side, um, which is just key for us to be able to add more value for the for the end user. Yeah, maybe you can share a little bit about uh, some of the unique data that you're able to to harness and, and collect, like, and what sort of competitive advantages that give you in building a modern marketplace. Yeah, so you know, with the data that we get primarily, it's MLS data, and sometimes we're lucky to have a two-word description and half an address, right? So um, it's a real struggle ingesting that, and obviously, even just come up with things like, you know, where is the property located? So you know, a lot of times we don't have latitude and longitude. So. Um, and a lot of times, you know, with land, you think about it, like a lot of these are unaddressed properties. So if we don't have a center point, we don't have an actual address, you know, we can't even place it on a map, which is kind of like key for us. So, mm. um, so definitely part of our data strategy is, you know, at the parcel level. Um, so sometimes we'll get parcel numbers. We can kind of geocode based off of the parcels. But uh, ultimately, you know, what we want to do is kind of what Zillow's done with uh, physical address. Uh, we want to do that at the parcel layer. So we want to be able to see kind of like what's the transaction history, what's the makeup of the property, whether it's, you know, tree cover, soul types, all that kind of different things. What's the zoning? Where are utilities? Utilities is a huge one, right? So like if you're building rural, you know, one of the biggest questions we have is like, you know, how far is power? Like what about water? And then there's things like flood zones so you know especially if you're buying a piece of property where the next thing that you're going to do is drop a lot of money on some kind of improvement there's just a lot of due diligence that you have to do 
Um, a lot of that data is publicly accessible, whether it's with accessors, uh, you know, USDA, G GNIS property data, uh, but it's all really disparate. So pulling that all together into a database has been a, a focus on what we've done from day one. Uh, and then we, we want to kind of start exposing more and more of that to consumers at the property detail level. That's very cool. It feels like you just went down this list that if uh, uh, I was writing your, your guides, you know, your good SEO play, right? Definitive guide on how to tell your client not to build their own house. Because <laughs> I remember as a real estate agent, right? And, and I think every rookie real estate agent goes through this is we have, you know, we have clients who have a budget that's just under entry level home. And so then the idea turns to well, what if we could just buy a cheap piece of land and build a modest home on it? And it, it sounds so good. And then the first time you try and walk a client through all those challenges and those problems, I mean, it, it, I think it, it well, for me, it scared every one of them away from them and I never heard from them again. So, uh, you know, there may be some opportunity there in helping <laughs> agents turn their clients away from that. But I, I am curious, though, um, because you guys are building that, you know, is there any, you know, future ideas of like different tools then or, or guidance or, you know, uh, you know, maybe uh, some adding capabilities to help brokers through that process so that they can close these deals where maybe it is a little bit outside their pay grade, but, you know, it, it helps them get it done. Yeah, for sure. And I think that plays just, you know, right into our vision of making land more accessible. Um, and I think of having the confidence in a parcel to be able to do with, you know, what you want with it um, is, is key to that. So absolutely, as much as we can be transparent with that type of data, uh, we're not going to, you know, uh, put that behind a gate or anything. We're going to try to use that to everybody's advantage. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned about uh, just over a quarter million current listings on the site today. Yeah. Do you have uh, any ideas to where that's going to go throughout the year? Um, any indications that whether that'll go up or continue to decline? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, the same question would be like, you know, is are prices going to hold or not? You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, looking at the prices that we have right now, uh, the first quarter of this year, the average price per acre for vacant land on our platform was around seventeen thousand seven hundred dollars. First quarter last year, thirteen thousand four hundred. First quarter of the year before, twelve thousand two hundred. So. I mean, wow. you know, what we have right now from both pricing and kind of what that does with inventory uh, doesn't certainly seem sustainable long term. But, uh, you know, what long term is, I don't know. No, nobody knows for sure. Yeah, fair enough. But obviously you get an advantage uh, in seeing what people are searching for, what's getting listed and even what's going off the market. Uh, if you were buying in a few different cities or areas, I know you mentioned a few states. Um, where are some areas that are clearly showing indications of like really being hot areas to be in? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a lot of these tax friendly states where a lot of kind of corporations have moved. So Florida, Texas, Texas is definitely our biggest state by a long shot. So uh, if I was going to buy property for investment, uh, I think Texas still makes a lot of sense. There's still a lot of movement there. Is it and is it just an assumption? Or are you collecting uh, customer feedback that it is the tax favorability that is driving those purchase decisions and where they're going? I mean, maybe that's an assumption. I mean, like if we look at what states people are coming from or searching from, and then where they're looking, that's definitely a common denominator. Um, it's sure. kind of less regulation, more business migration, uh, maybe less crime. I mean, there's some common denominators there, but yeah, reading between the lines a little bit. 
Yeah, no worries. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, you know, um, and and, uh, and then we'll kind of switch to a little bit of gears. Obviously, you know, you've been able to really build out a good presence, and and you have uh, a really a, quite a quite a sample of listings. As I was mentioning to you, like you know, I searched my area, and I honestly didn't expect to find as much as I did. Which then I was like, well, this is kind of impressive because like Redfin's not even in South Dakota. <laughs> I know that's a little different, but still, um, you know, in your trial and error, are there any projects or um, features or, 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 you know, releases that you were working towards or trying that maybe didn't work out that you can share of, hey, this was a failed experiment and, and this is what we learned from that? Oh, boy. Um, I don't know if we've had any just utter face plants today. You know, we've tried to be pretty strategic. So, you know, we're really big on collecting data, uh, user session recordings. So we're trying to, even if users aren't talking to us, we're trying to listen to what they're saying with their behavior. Um, so, yep. yeah, I mean, we, you know, we just recently rolled out like a dark mode, which most real estate platforms don't have because like we're seeing people spend like, you know, hours like at the middle of the night just browsing for land. And that's kind of, you've seen that Zillow commercial, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are just kind of like they're just kind of. No, I missed that one. Really? OK. Okay, you need to see that. I don't watch uh, TV. Yeah, well, look, is an <laughs> SNL skit about Zillow and, and how people use Zillow as kind of the, yeah, I won't get oh, into okay. it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. So yeah, people just, you know, a lot of people may not even be serious buyers, but um, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't think we've really done anything that's, 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 you know, we're still very young. I'm sure we're going to make a lot of mistakes moving forward. There's, there's plenty of opportunity ahead of you to, <laughs> to fail. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> One really good mess up. <laughs> yeah. Um, a slight shift here. So, so obviously in, in prop tech, you know, it's it's almost like every week we see these really big rounds, big Series A and B, and you know, even seed rounds now are are you know exceeding what we used to see on Series A. But you guys are a bootstrapped company. Talk to me about why go why take the decision to be bootstrapped. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, this this year may be the year that we kind of need to kind of go out and find some seed financing. Um, it's just time, you know, for us. I think we've kind of hopefully proven that we can do a few things right, and we need help getting to the next level. But um, yeah, I, for for me, it was just never really an option to try to go out and 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 you know do something without proving first. Because you know, I mean, honestly, myself, you know, I just didn't know how quickly we could be competitive in the space. But I think we're, we're there where maybe we've got something worthwhile, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Maybe this year is the right year to kind of go out and fundraise. Very cool. Um, let's talk about market opportunity. Uh, you know, kind of two, two big questions I want to know. Um, but, you know, we'll start with the first. Why is now the right time to be solving this issue? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, I would say that, you know, rural living, which is only a part of kind of the type of land that we sell, um, for one, has never been easier. So, you know, remote work, obviously, with kind of COVID, and a lot of people just aren't going to go back to the office. Uh, things like, you know, satellite internet, solar improvements, like people can just spread out in a way that they couldn't before. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, those like alternative lifestyle type properties are really hot for us right now. Uh, you know, and even if you're, you know, staying in the city, um, you know, home inventory is so low, even though, you know, there are some hurdles there to build your own home, that may be your best option at this point. So um, we just feel like, you know, land is a finite, you know, inventory, right? So um, prices mm -hmm. are, are high and we think there's there's going to be high demand. I mean, it's not going anywhere, right? So 
Yeah, yeah. You know, when when I think about uh, to, you know a total addressable market or like how many potential customers you have, like in in this instance, because it's a marketplace, there's kind of like on on both sides. So like maybe I don't know how you define it, like what your real total addressable market is or opportunity, but how how do you define it, and and what do you think that that looks like? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the value of land, I mean, it's a trillion dollar asset. You know, it's a tr- tremendous amount of, of of value just in in land. Even if you kind of take away the improvements, mm-hmm. um, you know. So for us, uh, you know, we don't even know exactly how much land is uh, is for sale right now because because it's so disparate, right? The inventory was so much off MLS property, so many properties with signs oh. out in the yard. So uh, how much you know active inventory there is. We don't know. Uh, we have two hundred seventy-five thousand listings, but um, you know, right now there may be six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. So there's still a long way for us to go in closing the gap on the inventory. Yeah, got it. Yeah, and I could see why that would be so. Um, that's, that's pretty exciting because that's a lot of listings. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and last one here. I mean, and, you know, and certainly up to you how you want to, you know, and this before we transition here towards bottom of the show, but. You know, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, how much the residential push, because that's really what's capturing all of everyone's attention and all the headlines. How much of that is affecting the pricing of land and, and where do we, you know, does is land always tied to the residential as much as it may be now? Or is this somewhat of a, a new phenomenon in what we're seeing? No, I, I think there's definitely a strong correlation there. Um, you know, anytime that, you know, residential gets in low supply, home building becomes attractive, not just for like the individual home buyer, uh, buyers, but, um, you know, for builders, right? I mean, a lot of our property leads that we see coming through right now are site selectors for builders, you know, that may be looking for transitional recreational properties to, to develop, right? Um, you know, last year we lost one and a half, I think, percent or so, or, or maybe over the last few years, we've lost one and a half percent of farmland. And a lot of that is just because, you know, cities are spreading out. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think there's, there's, there's always going to be a correlation there with, with home inventory and, 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 you know, residential development in particular. I had not heard that before. So, so you're saying that the cities are expanding in a way that we, the, the amount of farmland reduced by one and a half percent. Yeah, maybe that's over a, a number of years, but the the trend is that we're losing farmland, uh, which is interesting because um, you know I think the United Nations put out a study where they said we need to be producing sixty percent more uh, food by twenty fifty. So obviously, those are kind of at odds with each other. Um, and there, you know, there's a ton of money going into ag tech right now. I mean, like vertical farming is a big thing so i guess like as we eat up more land we'll just start going vertical with our with our agriculture um yep. but yeah it's it's very interesting i have a friend who is a early engineer at a vertical farm startup and he has shared with me the systems and how that business can work and it is it is phenomenal the engineering feats of a, a really well-run vertical farm it, it is truly uh mind-bending if you will. Um, I really wanted to ask you about Bill Gates and buying all farmland since that's been in the news this week. Yeah. Is this all true? Yeah, it's true. He's the largest individual farmland owner. It's uh, probably shocking to a lot of people, maybe alarming in some ways, right? <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I mean, I have no, I don't, I don't know much about the guy other than Microsoft stuff, right? And so, but it was interesting to me to hear that a computer guy was going so uh, aggressive into uh, land. And then the, the counter to that is hearing uh, that the amount of foreign investment pouring into U.S. farmland. Is this a trend that you're seeing on searches and traffic coming to the site? And, and is why specifically U.S. farmland? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of just foreign interest in general in property. It's not just farmland. I mean, like large ranches, you know, big, just any kind of big expensive piece of property. Uh, just I, I maybe volatility of, of currency, you know, just diversity of assets. Uh, there have definitely been more uh, vehicles for people to invest passively into farmland pop up over the, the last few years. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it is a trend that we're seeing. I don't really have a pulse of exactly why it's happening, but diversification, there's just a lot of money out there, right? So, you know, yeah. buying something like farmland, when, like I said before, like farmland has to increase 60% over the next, you know, few decades, uh, it's a pretty sure bet that, you know, that's going to be a sustainable investment. Gotcha. Well, we're going to sh- uh, transition here to my favorite segment of the show. Uh, this is called For the Future. For the Future is a segment where I ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Michael, are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Question number one, what does Land Search look like one year from now? Um, you know, we have a backlog a mile long, uh, but, you know, a, a couple of things are front and center. So, like I mentioned earlier, the extension of the marketplace to include finance and land services, a data is a big one. Um, you know, we're eating into CoStar's market share. We hope to kind of double our traffic at least this year as well. Um, more end-to-end coverage of just the land ownership process in general. So, making more land, land more approachable and accessible, um, yep. you know. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe closing a seed round. Awesome. Question number two, what will be the biggest challenges for builders and investors who want to buy land in the next five years? Uh, perhaps inventory and prices. Um, you know, that, that maybe that more applies to like the average uh, buyer, right? I mean, I think that the ability for somebody you know, a few years ago versus today, like in middle income to go out and buy, whether it's a recreational piece of property, some secondary piece of property, it's just kind of slipped away a little bit. And some of that's, you know, just uh, the prices, you know, foreign investment, stuff like that. It's just uh, the average person's kind of getting squeezed a a little bit right now. Yeah. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Uh, Maybe the prices. and also, I'm going to sound like an old geezer saying this, but like I was watching a CBS special uh, just a few days ago on uh, Decentraland and this these virtual land and how it's taking off. And uh, that just makes me a little sad, you know, when people could go out and buy real land instead. Um, so, uh, yeah, maybe the, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But hopefully, you know, a few years from now, we're all not just uh, browsing around in our virtual land. We kind of still get outside and enjoy the outdoors. You know, I, I'm still remaining curious and uh, open to metaverse mm-hmm. life, if you will. Um, but I can't help but think of Second Life as like the first thing that comes to, to mind. Uh, and never, even though I never played it, uh, you know, I'm familiar enough. And so I'm just trying, maybe I just haven't gotten into it enough. But uh, admittedly, right. I'm putting it out there right now, you know. If I talk to you about Web three, like just know you're talking to an idiot. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. 
yeah. you know there's mario world and maybe that's part of it and i don't i don't get it i you know truthfully so um you know the one thing i've understand i understand about land at least is that it's finite um i suppose in theory within certain realms it is in web 3 but that's a whole nother discussion. Uh, I know some qualified people. We're going to have that conversation on this show. So stay yeah, tuned. I will You'll tune want to subscribe in. to hear that one. Yep. All right. Well, last one here for For the Future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Oh, you know, it's first and foremost, I'd say connectivity. It's just going to be so uh, of a powerful, you know, advancement mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, rural internet, like this administration in particular has put a lot of money towards, you know, uh, connectivity in, in rural areas. Starlink is super exciting to me personally. As soon as I can get that, I'm, I am out. I am in the cabin at that point. Um, and then another thing, like... you got to buy the cabin now, though, before it becomes unaffordable. That's, that's true. That's true. Um, and then, you know, one other thing that I just kept had my fingers crossed, um, and it may, you know, work against us in some ways, is, you know, National Parcel Database. You know, like, it is just painful aggregating parcel data, and if you license it, it's expensive. So this is something that's been talked about at the government level for years about, you know, you know, a lot of countries do. They have a national parcel database, but here it's like every single county or municipality has their own set of parcel data. And it is, it's it's kind of a nightmare when you're actually trying to use that data for something, you know, meaningful for, for the consumer. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, would agree to that. Well, last three here, Michael, these are questions for our listeners to better get to know you personally. Uh, first one here is, what are you reading? <sighs> You know, this is a little embarrassing, but I haven't read a book in a long time. I, you know, so I, I do plenty of short form stuff. You know, I've got to keep up on both, you know, tech, SEO. Um, you know, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts right now, uh, just trying to kind of get my head in that VC space as we maybe look towards funding. Um, so, yeah, definitely stay busy trying to keep up to date with stuff. But books, I, I, I wish I, I, you know, I respect anybody that finds the time to be able to read, read proper books. Well, nothing, nothing to be embarrassed about when, when you're high output, sometimes you, you reduce the input. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, good on you. Uh, if I can make two recommendations, PropTech 101, of course, Metaprop, uh, good friends of mine, as of Zach Aaron's Aaron Block. And then also, um, I recently picked this up, um, High Growth Handbook by uh, Ilad Gill. And, you know, I'm going to be one of those, like, ignorant startup people i don't know who he is honestly but he was on twitter and like people said good things about him and then i i spent the 50 bucks on the book and honestly it's a great book for uh, thinking about uh building a startup and putting your startup into high growth mode so yeah that's great look into it um all right question number two who are you learning from I don't know if it's anybody like individual, but, you know, definitely brokers and other founders is it definitely would be one group. But, you know, I've really enjoyed um, speaking to other founders that are kind of in a similar spot to us, especially if kind of they're in prop tech. Um, mostly, as I mentioned before, like we just try to listen to our users. Um, you know, as much as you try to squeeze feedback out of them, you know, we really do a lot of data collection, session recording and uh, just try to listen to them and understand how what we can do to improve our experience. Got it. Last one, what inspires you? 
Uh, the outdoors, uh, you know, I think uh, I live in Colorado, so I can look at my window right here and see Pikes Peak. Uh, just, you know, I lived in Colorado when I was younger and uh, just fell in love with the state, uh, love the mountains. So that definitely inspires me. Uh, and then just kind of the vision of making land more accessible and in part, um, you know, kind of getting people away from the computer screens. Love it. Uh, a startup founder who has a desire to get people away from their computers, I get behind that. <laughs> Michael, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And uh, this is fun. I, I'm glad we got the chance to get into a side of real estate that we don't typically get into. And quite frankly, you know, I think people, it might get overlooked as boring, but you know, sometimes there's some really good businesses in, in the boring areas. Before we close out, I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, if people want to get in hold of you, in touch with you, or learn more about Land Search, where do they go and how do they do that? Yeah, so of course, check out landsearch.com. And you're also you know, welcome to email me directly at michael at landsearch.com. Awesome. Well, hopefully people will reach out to you. And best of luck on uh, moving forward. Let me know if you do pick up those books. I'd love to actually just, just tweet the authors. Tell them I recommended it. And, and then I'll, we'll that'll be good. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, absolutely. We'll, we'll see you around and, and uh, catch you next time. Yeah, thanks, Nate. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter. Head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right in your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great worthy listen. We'll see you next week.